Get your own mic or get out. <laughs> she said, congrats. Bye. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, welcome back to part two of Bookworms. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm filming this. 10 seconds after the second one, so I'm still, like, my head is very much in the space of discussion and not on introduction. Um, uh, this is a podcast where we talk about books and stuff. Uh, you know the drill. We're talking about Passengers and Wayfair, the duology by Alexandra Bracken. And um, right now, we're talking about villains. Yeah. Um so, so, <laughs> with this time travel thing, it's very, like, I don't know. I mean, it's magical, I suppose. It doesn't feel very, like, fantasy to me. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's such strict rules, and it's all very much based in reality that it really threw me for a loop when we got the... Um, alchemy scenes mm -hmm. which were just they were it was just magic let's be <laughs> real it was just magic um there's what's her name she's fucking amazing the belladonna she's terrifying the belladonna she's so scary and i love her <laughs> she's this like otherworldly alchemist i mean we find out later who she is um she's like a uh immortal daughter of the guy who invented time travel um i pictured um gwendolyn christie the entire time you know who i'm talking about let me look it up to make sure i have the right person imagine she's from she's in game of thrones and she's like eight foot tall she's like this amazing amazon woman oh my gosh yes you know who i'm talking about yes i do isn't that, I don't know, that's who I pictured. <laughs> um, maybe that's completely wrong, but that's who I pictured the entire time. I um, pictured, doesn't she have dreadlocks? I oh, pictured, does she? Maybe I made that up. She had, she maybe definitely I had dreadlocks in my mind. Um, <laughs> I mean, isn't she wearing a veil? I mean, she's wearing a veil over part of her face, but... right. Maybe she does have dreadlocks. I don't Maybe know. Maybe I missed that completely. Is Maybe it? it's because I'm white. <laughs> Maybe it is. <laughs> um, I just assumed. I imagined her... Um, it would make more sense for her to not be white. Yeah. Would it? I don't know. Because is the ancient one white? See, they don't really say. He's, like, not human anymore. Right. He, like, doesn't have a race. He's, like... <laughs> translucent and glowing he's like an alien so like right. I don't I don't know it doesn't really matter what her race is because she's right. like this crazy like inhuman uh, I don't I don't know which thing um she's great I love her I do have a question about that though mm -hmm. okay so <laughs> The main family, right? 
the mm-hmm. uh, what's their name? Uh, which one? The bad one? Yeah, all yeah, the two main families. The torn something. <laughs> They're all white. Yeah, is what I'm trying to say. They're all white, but Lin Me is. Huh? Lee Min. Lee Min. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Lee Min is, um, is, is Chinese, but mm-hmm. she's also related to this family. I'm just wondering how far these branches go, you know? Because, yeah. like, the main families that we're dealing with and the main, like, people we're dealing with are white. Um, but this is obviously a family that stretches across the whole world and the whole like history of the world right right ironwood that's the name sorry if i sounded a little bit distracted it's because i was trying to figure out the last name okay ironwood and like the not hemlock yeah hemlock hemlock ironwood um linden and it starts with a J. Janice? Jan? Whatever. They, They're they all might trees. Not be white. We don't know about the last the last one you said because they've pretty much been... Wiped I mean, out. the Ironwood family is kind of wiping out and, like, assimilating anyone who's left into their family to, right. like, you know. But, I mean, they never... I mean, they explicitly say that... You know, most of the main characters we're thinking about are are white, mm-hmm. and most of them are in that family. Like we know that, like we know Nicholas is black because the time the white time traveling family or the white time traveler specifically raped a black slave. Right. So we know why he's black, <laughs> but but also is, her is, uncle. I would imagine there's lots of interracial relationships. Right. Her uncle on. is married to a Persian? Well, her no, uncle, her grandfather Oh yeah, her grandfather's married was, was married to Yeah, a, um but it was his second family. Yeah, had a second family. His who first was, family was white. <laughs> right. And his second family was But I imagine Eastern. like being time travelers that pr- practically live forever. Uh, right. That you would just, like, stick it in everywhere. I mean, race probably doesn't <laughs> mean much to stick it everywhere. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out, like, yeah, the, the tree. But I guess trying to figure out a time traveler family tree is, is a bit of a futile task. It's almost um, as hard as trying to figure out my family tree. <laughs> or mine. Right. Just bushes. Um, yes. Lots of reefs. <laughs> we're not inbred, I promise. <laughs> as far as we know, <laughs> we're not inbred. I mean, you're you are a little bit. Well, we're white, so we're probably a little bit inbred. Yeah. Um <laughs> Anyway. Um Where was I going with that? Oh, we were talking about the Belladonna. Yeah. That kind of threw me for a loop. I guess it didn't throw you for a loop. Because you corrected me when I was like, what? Where the hell did this magic come from? And you were like, no, it's alchemy. <laughs> Duh, it's alchemy. See, Which is just magic in this sense. Right. Well, okay. So, like, 
time travel in this universe, all of time travel was created by this one alchemist who did this alchemical experiment mm-hmm. and created. He this, creates a compass. Yes, or an astrolabe. That enables, yeah, an astrolabe. An astrolabe um, that allows him to open up doors. Yeah, make wrinkles in time. Because, like, that's right. the theory of how time travel works, right? Like, yeah. you've got a plate, and you, you've got a, a piece of cloth, and you put a wrinkle in it, and that's how you make two separate points on the cloth come together. So he creates a way to do this, but because of this process, it causes him to be... No. He becomes immortal. Mm-hmm. Right? He and his but he also has children. No, because he creates other ones. He has like a master. Yeah, master yeah, 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 yeah. He has, the and then master he creates one. three more mm-hmm. or four more. Three more for his children. Three and more for his sons. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. His three sons and a daughter. And he creates three for his sons. Um. And, and his, his sons end like... up fighting. Well, his his sons end up, like, killing him and killing each other. Like, that's where all this feud starts. It's because the power of right. this is, like, too crazy. Um, his daughter, who's the only one reasonable, obviously, she's a woman. She's the only one right. who can, like, keep her shit together. Um, <laughs> that's the Belladonna, right? Yes. And so, like, she's not consumed. But she is also an alchemist. She learns from her father. Mm-hmm. They call her a witch, but she's not really a witch. Here's the thing. She's not really a witch, but she's um, basically a witch. So, like, in my mind, alchemy is, like, a combination of magic and quantum physics. And right. that's how I was like, oh, that makes sense within this world because it's this is more sci-fi there's not, like, really right. magic going on here. So if you think of the alchemy that's used as more, like, quantum physics, that makes more sense. You know, that's why I did I don't know. Me. Some of the stuff that Belladonna does feels a bit witchy, you know? Well, yeah. Um, bit magic. Right. I mean, I, although I guess, like, magic is science, right? <laughs> Right, it's his, all the same I mean, thing. You, you, not like I mean, science is magic, uh, but that's my that's my new PBS show. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, like our history of magic is basically science that we didn't have proof for, right? Right, exactly. So I mean, it just I, I although I guess a lot of modern science is kind of like magical. It's just that we're used to it, so. Right. It doesn't register as magical to us. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm fucking talking to you and you're d- d- hundreds of miles away. That's pretty magical. Right. Um, this is practically a crystal ball. Right? If you frame it the right way, this is magic. Mm-hmm. So A magic mirror, definitely. Um, so I guess. It just felt... I don't know. It just kind of threw me for a loop. It just felt... Um, at first, it felt a bit... Out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it was cool. <laughs> it was cool. 
Um, I'm down for if you just want to throw a witch into anything. Uh, yeah, I'm down for obviously, it. I'm all for witches. <laughs> um, it just it just kind of struck me out of nowhere. Um, right. What else was I gonna say? Um. Let's switch gears entirely. Okay. I want to talk about writing um, and how okay. this is written. Because there's two things that I find intriguing about this. Um, one is mm-hmm. a technique called in media res, which is where you're mm-hmm. thrown immediately into the action of a story without having any idea what's going on. You're thrown into... <laughs> um, sometimes into the middle of the story and then... You get the beginning and you get the end, but you know, but or you're thrown into the end of this. You know, you're thrown in in the middle of action, and I feel like Mm -hmm. it took me a bit to get into the first book. By the second one, I was hooked. I was in it, you know. But like, right? I felt like the beginning of the first one, and part of that um, was the fact that I was struggling with um, (laughs) the tech I was using to read the book. Because um, right. Hayden has it as a Nook book, and she tr- loaned it to me a long time ago, and I didn't read it. And um, you can only loan a book once on Nook readers, so um, I didn't have access to it easily. I had to like go online um, and find a copy of it, an, an illegal one. Um, I don't know mm. if it was illegal. I don't even remember where I read it. Where did I read it? Um, I think I just let you sign into my... Oh, I did sign into your account. But that that was what it was. Um, I read part of it online. Um, I had to... But because I was signing into your account, I couldn't read it on my actual Nook. I was reading it on my phone and I was reading it on my laptop, both of which I have trouble reading on. Um, My phone Mm -hmm. screen is too small and my laptop screen is too big. (laughs) Um, I'm very picky. (laughs) I read very quickly. So the phone screen is too small. Um, I'm moving faster than my screen can move. And the laptop, I get, I'm very easily distracted. So my eyes tend to roam (laughs) over the rest of the page. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. In a way that they don't when it's like a book sized. I don't know. It's probably like a psychological thing. So <laughs> that's probably... What isn't a psychological thing? Well, I guess, but you know what I mean. Like, the psychology of having something, <laughs> like, book-shaped and book-sized right, yeah. has me reading. On my phone, I'm always flipping around and, like, you know, my attention span shortens because the things that I do mm-hmm. on my phone require a much shorter attention span. And, like, on my laptop, I'm usually multitasking and, like... It's hard to multitask and read and, like, pay attention to what you're doing. Um, So that was part of it. Did you you find the beginning a bit confusing? Or was that just me? Um. Just me. Okay. I probably did. No, no, no. I'm trying to think back because I read read it a while ago. Yeah. Um, It definitely was slow getting into it. I don't know if it, I was confused so much as uh, it took it, took it, me a while yeah. for it to, like, capture my attention. Yeah, I guess I wasn't confused. Yeah, um, it was more of, like, a, 
yeah, like, it was hard to get into at first. I think... Right. I mean, the technique of in media res, um, it's, it's used a lot in Shakespeare, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. but it's, it's one of those things where it's supposed to immediately grab your attention, but I find that if I don't know what's going on, um, you know, I either have, I either, I, that's a stupid thing to say. Never mind. I was going to say, I either keep going to find out what happens or I don't, which, like, yeah, what else am I going to do? <laughs> uh, it's like I if there's, like, think, um, a conversation happening that I'm eavesdropping on and I can, like, right. eavesdrop a little bit and understand, like, the context of the conversation and then, I, and then I'll keep listening. Or if, like, there's a conversation right. that I hear a, a snippet of and I'm like, I don't know what they're talking about. Like, this doesn't make any sense. I don't care, you know? <laughs> I cannot understand what's going on. I don't know um, what's happening. I also think you you get my attention really quickly as soon as you introduce pirates. And so I think that <laughs> helped me a little bit. True, true. Because <laughs> um, I was like, I don't know what's going on yet, but there are pirates here. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and also, it. like, not only are you in the middle of action, you're in the middle of pretty crazy action. You're in the middle of a pirate right. battle. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> you couldn't get more, like, chaotic and and confusing as battle. Like, there's nothing more chaotic than that. Right. And so, yeah. I mean, but, it, I mean, is it, te- it's technically still immediate. No, I guess it's not. I mean, I guess linearly, 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 that's the beginning of the story, isn't it? Mm, I guess. But it's still, like, within that scene. Yeah. In the middle. Like, there was no introduction to what was going on. Right. Um, Yeah. So it took took a minute for me to get into it. Um, It also takes me a minute to get into YA, period, because I'm pretentious and I have, like, an initial resistance <laughs> to everything. Um, <laughs> unless it's Joan Didion. Um, um, but, huh, I don't know. She's a good writer. Um, mm-hmm. What else has she written? She's written other things. She wrote that um, dystopian series that I keep telling you about where they're making oh, a movie. Oh, yes. Um, where the lead actress is black, even though the character right, is, right, right, is not right, right. specified to be black, which is mm-hmm. something that should happen more often. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, here's another thing. Music in literature mm-hmm. is difficult. And I think it was really well done in this book. Oh, um, yeah, it was. Etta is a musician. She's a violinist. She's incredibly talented. Um... Like, that's been her whole life up until the point that she traveled, is is violin, is performing. Um, like, the, the beginning of the storyline, uh, not the pirate battle, but, like, the beginning of Edda's storyline um, has her about to perform at the, at the Met in preparation for this huge concert she's doing later on. Um, and I just, and she doesn't actually play 
again until there's one scene in the middle of the story and there's one scene at the very end that she plays. And um, I just think it's really interesting because it's one of those things like um, I was talking about with S.J. Mass's stories where she incorporates scent Mm -hmm. um, really Mm -hmm. well. Those are those are things that are very difficult to incorporate scent and like sound. I mean, you know what I mean? Like music specifically, yeah. not like sound because like people speak and stuff, not sound, but right. like, but music, the power of music is so to this book and another book where like music was such an important part and stuck out to me as like an impactful part of the story both um delve really deeply into the kind of intimacy mm-hmm. of music um and how vulnerable performing is not and not even just like performing on a stage but like allowing even just one other person into that space with you um, yeah. And I think that has something to do with, like, why that made such a big impact in the story for me. Um, because every time... Because Edda's music and her violin are so tied to relationships for her. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a representation of this relationship she has with um, her kind of surrogate mother. Um, Alice. Who, yes, Alice, who is a friend of her mother's who was able to be warmer to her because she didn't have all the same baggage her mom had. Right. Um, but it's also, like, this way that she was so desperately trying to get attention from her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was... So the scene where she plays in the middle... Um, is when they're um, in London during the Blitz and they're hiding. No, she doesn't uh, play there. Oh, do they? Someone else plays there. She doesn't play there? You're right, someone else plays there. But that's the when scene... she and Nicholas yeah. talk about it for the first time because she um, pretends to play as, like, a soothing Right, mechanism. it's like a self, yeah, self-soothing. Like, she, she goes through the motions of playing because it's something right. that she's always done. But the scene where she does actually play in the middle is a, the scene where she's playing and her father accompanies her. And this is right after yes. she's met her father. So it's this other connection that she never had with her mother. Like, her mother was an artist, but she was a, a painter. And, like, she was always trying to perform perfectly to, to, to show her mother that she had value. You know, like, she was trying to get her mother's attention she was and her mother like didn't show up to a lot of the events and stuff like that but with her father the fact that they could play together not only was that a connection in like oh this is something this ear for music is something that I've inherited from my father like right this is a like genetic connection we have together but also like the emotion involved like I can't play music um (laughs) so I don't know a lot, but I'm great at appreciating music. And I, um, 
cry at every live music event I've ever been to, which is a little embarrassing. <laughs> um, but like playing music together is such a bonding experience for them. Oh yeah. Because like, and that's what she's been trying to do with her music for so long. Like she's been trying to reach out to a parental figure and suddenly she can and they're responding uh likewise and i think it's just that's a really great scene um and the way music is is done then like um i don't know it's just really beautifully done and like like you said it's tied up it's also tied up with this idea of her life like her life she separates her life, her timeline, you know, mm-hmm. that's what she's trying to get back to. She's trying to get back to this life. Like, she focuses a lot on this performance that she ends up, like, running away. F- like, the the time traveling starts kind of basically in the middle of this performance. Um, or as she's warming up for this performance, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, that's her goal throughout the entire series. Like, that's always that reassuring, like, ultimately, I will get back to this point and I will perform this song. You know, I will perform at this event. And that will be me. That will be me home. Um, And, and, like, that's how the story ends. She ends up getting back there. And... um, it's it's great. Um, it's I think it's, it's ri- really good. It's it's just really well written. Um, and there are several instances where like uh, they reference a specific piece of music, which um, makes me wish that like books could play songs <laughs> as you're like right. reading them. But at the same time, I guess like you could just keep pushing that and then it'd just be a movie, you know, like that's part of it. <laughs> right, we, we've yeah. talked about this before. Like that's part of the, the experience of a movie versus a book is that you have this, like the soundtrack that goes along with it. Um, right. But and I like that too, because um, go ahead. I think almost every time they mention a specific song, because that could get um, kind of tedious to read about. It's like, and also like alienating. specific concerto. Yeah. Yeah, if I don't know what you're talking about, I'm going to feel dumb, and I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to care. But each time when it's referenced, it's tied back to, why is this specific song meaningful to Etta? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's either because of the difficulty of her part in the song, because she has spent her whole life striving to prove herself uh, to her mother through being the best, or... It's a connection to Alice. Um, mm-hmm. It's not the most difficult song, but it was Alice's favorite song. You know, like, the, and that contrast of, this is a song that's easy to play, but Alice loved it. And it right. didn't matter that I didn't have to be the best to play this song for her. And this is a song that I have to be the best in order to pull it off. And maybe this will get my mom's attention. It's just, oh, it's just beautiful and gives me goosebumps out goosebumps yeah and like I was saying with that connection to that that point in time to her home timeline that song that she's about to perform is is not a difficult song for her it's not one that and it's not one that she wanted to play but it's it's that moment where she is taken away from her timeline and like 
that's the time that she needs to get back to um, to continue her life. And, like, that's where the story ends is her getting back and performing that song. So there's a lot of references to, you know, that particular piece of music because that's where she's trying to get back to. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I think that was really well done. Um, It probably would have added to it if I'd known the particular songs. Uh, Right. (laughs) A little bit. I don't think it would have added too much, you know. Um, Right. It definitely would have added if, like, I had any experience playing an instrument. Um, (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I would understand the amount. Like, I have a theoretical idea of how much work that entails. But, like, I've I've never mastered an instrument. I've never even, like, mediocred an instrument. I used to hide my, when we had to play the recorder in elementary school, I used to hide it and say that it was lost so I didn't have to play. (laughs) The recorder is awful. It's gross. It sounds terrible. I don't understand. And it just gets full of spit. It's so nasty. It's terrible. Um, And those ones you have to rent from the school, they always clean it with that terrible cleaning solution. Oh, yeah. And you, like. It's awful. It's like, I have to put this in my mouth. You you keep it in a sock. Like, did you guys do that at your school? We kept them in socks. No, I don't think we kept them in socks. I think I definitely would have remembered that. Okay, we kept ours in socks because our school district didn't have as much money as your district, and we couldn't afford <laughs> to buy more recorders. Um, but, yeah, it was... Anyway, I I don't know what it's like to be a musician. I don't really know what it's like to perform um, at all (laughs) in any context. I don't know that I've performed other than working in retail. Um, But (laughs) Which is a performance. uh, It's like 24-7 performance. (laughs) Ten hours in a row (laughs) performance. Um, But... I just, it was a good job, Alexander Bracken. Good job. Um, Do we want to talk about, what else do we want to talk about? Do we have anything else we want to talk about before we talk about the end? Um, Hmm. I don't have, like, a lot to say about it, but I, a moment that I just really like is um, when, so there's a point where, um, Etta and Julian in the second book are, you know, traveling together, um, for most of the time. And, uh, there are people moving throughout the timeline that are making intentional changes to the timeline. Mm -hmm. And one of those changes ends up, um, decimating New York City. Oh, yeah. And, uh, which is where they're trying to go because they're trying to find, um, this the astrolabe thing right um so they're trying to get back to where they need to be and it's hard because the timeline keeps changing and anyway, yeah so you have to, to hop to from York. time period to time period to get to like there's not necessarily a straight line from one time period to another right um so they get to new york city and it's been hit by um is it a nuclear bomb or yeah some sort of bomb it's been it's, bombed it's um uh, yeah, I think it's nuclear, or possibly some like science beyond nuclear. Nu- nu- nuclear, right? 
Nuclear. Tell I'm from the South. Nuclear. Yes, we're from Texas. We're from <laughs> nuclear. Um, <laughs> and so they are bussed out to, like, the outskirts of the city. Actually, technically in New Jersey, I think, where they've mm-hmm. set up um, medical tents. And the medical tents, I think it's the 30s, right? Um, uh, it's the... When they get there? 40s. Whatever period. It's not... Yeah. No. It's not modern time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Something like that. The medical tents are segregated. And there is this long line for uh, the colored tent Mm -hmm. and plenty of space in the white tent. Um, And Julian starts to freak out. It's like, why are those people waiting in line? Yeah, it's like the first time Julian has any awareness of life beyond himself. Exactly. He's grown up in the 1700s. And he's going, why are those people waiting in line? Um, Not only has he grown up in the 1700s, he's spent several years with a half-brother who is a former slave who he saw his family treat as lesser Mm -hmm. than he was, even though they were brothers, even though they had the same abilities. And he He also, like, Trap treats him, I don't think intentionally as lesser. Um, Right. I think it has to do with him being so oblivious. Um, Because they do talk about before Julian uh, dies, um, in in air quotes, dies, um, (laughs) he's traveling with Nicholas, um, which is part of why Nicholas feels so much guilt (laughs) throughout the entire story, is that he thinks he Mm -hmm. let his brother die. Um, and he also feels guilt about, like, not feeling as guilty because his brother treated him like crap, but... Well, he... I don't think... So he definitely... Nicholas is very aware that they're getting to, like, completely different treatment. Yeah. But he understands Julian doesn't really get that, and also Julian cares about him. Right. And so he does have an affection for Julian, but also, like, A resentment. he knows... Yeah. I'm not, yeah, it's not that he, like, is happy he died, or as far as he yeah. he died. I think it's that in the moments before he falls off a cliff, he's resenting him for the treatment he's being given, or he's, right. he's receiving. Because, like, he says multiple times that, like, while he was traveling with Julian, Julian he wasn't treated like a brother. He was treated like a, like a pack mule, like a servant. Not a slave. Right. But yeah, <laughs> but a servant. But a servant, and uh, he is re- resentful of that. But also, like it's still his brother, and right, he knows that Julian is just like he was raised in a way that like he's as kind as he possibly could be. You know, like right, he was without spoiled. realizing that. That this was is wrong. He is as nice as he can. Be, right. Exactly. Know? Like he, yeah, exactly. Like he, he <laughs> is unintentionally, um, like I don't want to say unkind, but like uncaring. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's unintentionally like, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but like. He unintentionally treats him like a pack mule and a servant, but that's because he's just so unaware of everyone else but himself. Right, Um, yeah. 
And yeah, you're right. This is the moment where he finally like has some like understanding that there are other people in this world and like right. life treats them badly. Because the whole time Go he's on. saying to Etta, why are these people in a different line? Why mm-hmm. are they waiting for blood? And the reason that they're standing in line is because they're having to bust in blood from the black blood bank. Right. Because they can't give them white blood, obviously. And they certainly can't give um, white people black blood. Right. Exactly. And so he keeps saying, why are they in a different line? Why are they waiting in line? And Etta keeps going, stop. You know why they're in a different line. She's, like, not letting him get away with acting like this is new information to him. Even though it's information that's... (laughs) Yeah, well, it's not new information. It's information that is impacting him in a new way for the first time. Yeah. Um. And it's, but she doesn't let him get away yeah, with... Yeah, I do like that. Where she's like, you know. Yeah. You know why. Like, yeah. you know exactly why this is happening. And you've been a part of this system. Um, yes. You know. You've benefited from this and you've participated in this. She flat out tells him they are waiting in line for the same reason that your brother did not get the same education you did. Right. Did not get treated the same way you did by your family. Did not get treated the same way by you. As he should have been. Yeah. And that, that is a great point. You participated in this. And it's finally this point where, like, he is aware because he sees the direct, like, he sees disaster. You know, like, he's yeah finally woken up to this because he kind of tiptoes around everything bad. Like, he just avoids it and, like, you know only focuses on the Mm -hmm. fun parts of life. And now finally he's confronted with, like, disaster. He's confronted with death and pain and, like, horrible circumstances. And also, like, someone he loves deeply. The woman who raised him, basically. His nanny Mm -hmm. um, is is dying (laughs) because of this Mm -hmm. event. And, yeah, that is a really great scene. Where right. suddenly he has to come face to face with the realities <laughs> of the world, which I think is something right. that and hits us all. Right. But and usually like, much earlier than like 28 or however old he is. <laughs> it's a great scene because um, it is working on a wider scale of like this guy who participated in this system that was actively oppressing people, finally realizing that he was participating in it. But also it, it functions within the plot because at the same time he is realizing, Oh, just because I'm white, um, me going about my day and not thinking about how my actions impact someone else is having a huge impact on other people. Mm -hmm. Um, at the same time, he realizes that about, you know, those race relations, he also realizes because they're in this devastation of New York, that as a time traveler, he's having the same kind of impact on people who aren't time travelers. Mm-hmm. So time travelers, when something happens where their timeline is destroyed, they may lose their timeline. They may lose the people that they love, they may lose their lives, but they're fine. Yeah, they, they get, just get bumped know, back to the, like, the 
last common, common point year. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. the last common point before like the time changed. Um, mm-hmm. but like they aren't that negative. They aren't really that negatively affected because I feel like a lot of them have relationships only with other time travelers. Right, and he's you know seeing I mean? for the first time, um, the in the same way that like me just traipsing through my life without regard for how it's impacting others is negatively affecting people who don't look like me. It's mm-hmm. also having this huge impact on the world that belongs to people who can't time travel. And um, there, so in the book, time traveling is genetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can have, you can belong to one of the families though and have the traveling gene kind of skip over you. Um, suck, and those people right? are called guardians. So they're, right? So they're <laughs> aware of time travel and know people that can time travel, but they can't um, physically travel through time. Yeah, um, they're responsible for just kind of like his, watching their timeline. Right, and I mean, making kind sure of like nothing watch terrible over the happens. Time or, right. Um, they can pass messages back and forth. Like a time traveler can give them a message to give to someone else who might be coming through, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and his nanny that Tara was talking about is one of those guardians. Um, and so when <laughs> this uh, shift happens that devastates New York, he asked, or she asked uh, Julian what happened that made this change. And Edda realizes for the first time that, so like when the timeline shifts, people who aren't time travelers don't know that it shifted. They don't right. like remember the previous timeline or anything, but the guardians do. So they have no control over <sighs> how the timeline moves, but they remember their old lives. They remember <laughs> everything right. that happened in the previous timeline and now it's just gone. Right. And yeah. how devastating that must be. Yeah, because regular um, people Julian like gets that if your life's always sucked, like if that's just how it's always been. You don't know any better. But like if you're a guardian right. and you're you had a wonderful life and then all of a sudden everything is terrible, you like you know what you're missing out on. Exactly. And, um, so both Julian, Julian gets that impact in a more, like, real-world situation, um, of seeing the horrific treatment of all the non-white people, um, at these medical tents, and Etta gets that realization, um, in her life as a time traveler, (laughs) that, like, oh, I am having, I am able to have this huge impact on people, and sometimes those people can remember <laughs> that huge impact. Um, and I have to be responsible with this. Mm-hmm. I can't just make choices without considering how this is going to affect other people. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's one of the huge, like, the huge points in the series is that, like, you've got all these families that are manipulating time around them in order to benefit themselves or to get back at other people or, like, you know, all of these things. And, like, mm-hmm. first of all, that's affecting other people and they don't right. They don't care. And then also, <laughs> like, 
what timeline is the best timeline is kind of a thing that she struggles with because like the there's the a final astrolabe and or she wants to the the idea is that she can destroy it and like reset everything but who's to say that like the original timeline without any manipulations is gonna be a good timeline you know like right because like every single tiny minute yet yeah, yes the the timeline tries to correct itself but there are things that have been done in multiple points in the timeline that have completely shifted it in a different direction so you know who's to say because like they talk about I don't remember what scene it is exactly, but they talk about the Iron Patriarch Cyrus. That's mm-hmm. his first name. Mm-hmm. He's been manipulating things for his own benefit, but like little manipulations that may have benefited him may have also benefited a lot of people who aren't like involved in the timeline. Like there's um, there's a part where he's right. like manipulating um, the assassination of. Um, which one is he? Nicholas the... Something? Tsar. Mm, yeah, Tsar of Russia? Romanoff. Yeah, the Romanov. Yeah. <laughs> the Romanov. That one. You know, those guys. Um, <laughs> he's, like, manipulating the assassination. The other ones are kind of, like, twisting it around. And, you know... Um, I mean, her father does point out to her, like, he's going to be killed no matter what. There's, like, some things that, like, no matter how the timeline goes, it happens. Um, which is also interesting that like she's trying to figure out what's predetermined you know like and what is of someone's doing because like her father points out that like in the original the timeline that that Edda knows all of the Romanoffs are killed Um, and then she travels later on in the story with her father to a time, like, a, a, a date that is, like, a couple months past when the, the Romanoff assassination was, as far as she knows it. Mm-hmm. And, but at this point, he does, he does still get assassinated, but his entire family doesn't die with him. Um, right. But at the same time, like, that was a major revolution, you know? Like, it was a people's right. revolution. And so, like, it definitely affected, in like, the people, the regular people, the people who aren't the Tsar of Russia. Yeah. Um, and positively, um, because rebellion happened differently. It happened in a way that wasn't repressed or, like, you know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and Etta kind of has to struggle with, like, if I destroy this and it returns us to the original timeline, like, what what does that mean? And, like, yeah, like, what's predetermined? What's been done by a time traveler? And what effect has that had on history as she knows it? Which is the confusing part of time travel, isn't it? <laughs> right. And it's also... Um... Because, so, in that situation with um, Tsar Nicholas, the reason he hasn't been killed yet is because um, 
Etta's father has been convincing him to change the laws to improve the, yeah. con- the living conditions of the people. Um, so essentially Arch is trying to um, impose a more peaceful revolution. Exactly. Um, and I don't know, I this isn't as much discussed, but I feel like if you are spending so much time worrying about, like, will any move that I make negatively impact the timeline for everyone else, that leaves you standing still. You know, Mm -hmm. like, you don't, you're not able to make any choices or impacts positively or negatively. Um, And I think... I mean, that applies to wrestles with that a lot. our yeah, own lives, applies. right? Like, like <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm a very firm believer in, like, there's no point in regretting anything because you have no concept of what your life would be if you hadn't made certain decisions, you know? Like, right. I feel like every, every single decision you make leads up to who you are as a person. And so, like, y- you know, if, like, if I had made a completely different decision when I was... 18 years old I might be a completely different person but I have no idea and to spend time worrying about that or like regretting things that I've already done is is also paralyzing it's it's you know this constant like well what if or like what could have been or you know and I think that that is such a dangerous like line of thought to be in is what could have been because like you've no you don't know you don't know um and time travelers don't know either and that's also like I don't know (laughs) it makes it easier for me to make decisions because I'm like you know what it's done it's done I'm not gonna worry about it I've made a decision (laughs) like this is where I'm going I can't go back it's fine it's done you know (laughs) um right and so like I, I, that that's that applies to us. I mean, I, I think that's important. Like, obviously, things in fantasy and fiction have to apply to us as people, even though, like, we're not time travelers, obviously, yet. Um, right, yeah. Yet. But. <laughs> Very important. Yeah. <laughs> but we do have to make decisions, you know. We do have yeah. to make decisions that will affect other people, and we do have to make decisions that will affect our own lives. And, um, you know, we all have our own past that we can't really yeah. change. Like, like she wants to change. You, you can't really change your own past in this, even as a time traveler, because you can't mess with your own timeline, basically. I mean, you can't. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can't yeah, directly you influence individual <laughs> events in your life. Uh, I mean, you can wipe out your entire timeline, but... That's not fun. Um, <laughs> I mean, it still doesn't affect them. Like, they still have to live with everything that they've lived with their entire lives. Like, even right. if even if they wipe out their entire timeline, they exist outside of it. So they still remember everything that they've done and, like, the effect of everything. Because, like, if you've hurt someone, even if they don't remember it anymore, like, you still do. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's still affecting you. Um I don't know. I'm just going off on rants. <laughs> no, they're good rants. They're good rants. Okay. Um, 
Did you have anything else to say before we play some fun games? I think that was pretty much it. Can you I hear? I mean, there's lots of good stuff in here. There's a lot of good stuff. Uh, I was wondering if you could hear Posey. She's yelling in the background. Um, I could, but I thought it was like someone yelling outside at my house. <laughs> no, it's just Posey. Um, so, okay, first game. Um, let's fan cast. Who would you yeah. cast as the characters? Oh my gosh. I will start with, um, oh, I thought, okay, you know how I was saying I picked, sorry, I got really excited because I just remembered something. <laughs> um, you know how I was saying I pictured young Dulé Hill, Hill, Hill? Young Dulé Hill as Nicholas the entire time? You know, like, yes. Holes era Dulé Hill, which would still be too <laughs> old for the character because the character's like 19. Right. Um, but you know who would be great? Who? Alfie Enoch. Who played Dean in Harry Potter and is um, the oh lead my of gosh. Um, making a not making yes. a murder? <laughs> How to get away with murder? Yes. Different show and dialogue. Now he still has a little bit too much of a baby face for me, um, as Nicholas, because I feel like Nicholas has seen some stuff and he's yeah. Like, but like, have you watched How to Get Away with Murder? I have. Okay, but he's like spends so much time being so self righteous in that show. <laughs> I feel like That's he'd be true. perfect for Nicholas. Yeah. He's got that like, oh, I'm so torn thing going on. Like, <laughs> I have to do the right thing. Um, yes. I think, okay. I think I he'd be that. really good. Do you have someone else in mind? No. See, I'm bad at fan casting because I usually oh. just like picture an imaginary person. Right. Um. um Okay, for Edda, I'm casting um, Saoirse Ronan because I cast her in every... I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I cast her in every pretend, uh, in every film that I make up in my head because she's my favorite actress. But, like, she'd be good in this part, wouldn't she? I almost said it just so you didn't get to. <laughs> oh, I would have been I so bad. I think so, yeah. But she'd be perfect in this role. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. Who else? Sophia, I cast me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was trying to think who else would be a good Sophia. No one. It's my role. It's just you. It's just me with an iPad. <laughs> the perfect Sophia. Um, or like um, Lily Collins might be okay. Yeah. Um, it would need to be someone a little rougher around me. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, I feel like Lily Collins would be good for early Sophia. Okay, so I was watching. Um, do you remember that movie, Beautiful Creatures? Mm, yeah, that girl. That we went to go see? Yeah, I was watching that with Reagan the other night because um, it was just us hanging out and she wanted to watch it. Yeah. Um, I think that girl would be a good Sophia. Uh, yeah, Because she's, maybe. like, really striking and she's got that, like... Because I picture... Like, kind of crazy behind I, the eyes? Yes. Yeah, she looks like you wouldn't want to, like run into her in a dark alley. Yeah. But she's also, like, just this, like, cute little girl. But she's also, um, yeah, like, that porcelain doll kind of, like, Yes. <laughs> like, fair skin, pretty, like, dark hair, which is how yes. Sophia is. Um, okay, um, I don't know who for, um, Min Lee. Am I saying her name wrong again? Lee Min. Lee Min. I don't know why I can't get that in my head. 
How and funny pitch. would it be if you were right the whole time and I was wrong? <laughs> I was so confident and correct. No, it's it's probably layman. The thing is, I keep picturing Chinese um, models, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like they specifically say that she's tiny, which like a Chinese yeah, model would really not small. be tiny. I mean, like yeah. Lucy Liu is Chinese, but she's also not 16. So. <laughs> I mean, she's right. beautiful and ageless, but she can't play 16. So, or 17, or how old she is. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I don't know enough about Chinese actresses. Um, unfortunately, we don't get to see a lot of those in our media. I um, know. I have no idea on that. Who else? Who else? What about Julian? Um, Harry Styles. <laughs> <laughs> that is perfect. He's an actor yes. now. It'd be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, who else is there? I think um, Kate Winslet should pay, play Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're right. I don't know who should play the dad. Someone hot. Harry Connick Jr. (laughs) He's like a hot dad. Yeah, but he's a little too, like, I don't know, cheesy. (laughs) Oh, Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo's good. No, see, because, like, Mark Ruffalo would be, like, your soft-spoken, quiet But isn't that how her dad is? That's, like, secret. But her dad is, like outgoing and kind of cheesy but also like cares about her so much i know but and also like i imagine him as looking kind of like an old-timey southern gentleman (laughs) (laughs) um i don't know i'm still thinking now now that i've thought of mark ruffalo i think he's perfect because like mark mark ruffalo is your introverted scientist dad yeah not your like charming politician dad i don't know i think mark ruffalo is pretty charming also, like, <laughs> like, he's got this, like, sadness behind his eyes, right? Because he's lost Rose and yeah. he doesn't, he's lost, um, Etta. Mm-hmm. And, and Mark Ruffalo has those sad, sad Mark Ruffalo eyes. And <laughs> Mark Ruffalo eyes. I just, they are it's, so sad. It's done. I've cast it. Okay, what other okay. characters are there? Cyrus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no idea. He's that, um, I've been watching <laughs> The Crown on Netflix, and um, King George in that movie is played by that one actor who plays um, Moriarty in the uh, Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movies. Um do you know who I'm talking about? He's no. probably, like, super famous, and I should know his I'm name. I'm trying to think... Anthony Hopkins. Is that who plays him? I don't know. That's who I'm thinking in my head for. Um, Let's see. Oh, wait. In Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows, is that one of the... Yes, that's one of them. Okay, Jared Francis Harris. I'm not seeing him as old enough. He's only 56. He's old looking. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe with some makeup. I don't know. He was dying of cancer in the crown, so he probably looked. Older. <laughs> yeah, maybe with some makeup. I'm thinking Anthony Hopkins. Mm, okay, I can see that. 
Because he's, like, scary. He can play scary. <laughs> and he can also scary. play, like, um, I think he could play, like, pathetic at the same time. Well, he's very talented. Yeah. He, could, he could play anything. But, um, <laughs> I mean, he was Hannibal, for Christ's sake. Like, I think he could play a villain. Or maybe he should play yeah. um, the... The, um, the ancient the, one? The ancient one. Although I'm picturing the ancient one not looking old, you know? Because he's, like, beyond that. Yeah, he's just, like, gross and pavery and yeah. glowing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who would play him. But, yeah, I'm picturing... And I already said Gwendolyn Christie for mm-hmm. um, Belladonna, which might be wrong completely. <laughs> but <laughs> I think that's it. That's Gwendolyn Christie with dreadlocks. Yeah, there we go. I can't picture that at all, but... No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Second game. Mm -hmm. And final game. If you could time travel to any period, when would you time travel to? Oh my gosh. This is hard. I know, because I've always said, like, I don't think I'd want to time travel backwards because, like, it it doesn't get better for women. (laughs) Right, exactly. <laughs> Unless maybe, um, like, I could time travel and, like, also put myself... Observe. Well, that'd be sweet. But also, like, I don't know, time travel and put myself as an established person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if I could time travel and be a female Viking warrior. Yeah. But, like, if I time traveled back to Viking era, I would just die immediately. I have a lot of health issues. I have really bad <laughs> asthma. So, like, <laughs> any time before albuterol inhalers, I wouldn't do well. But, like, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, if I could travel yeah. back and already be, like, if I could travel back and be an authority figure, that would be the best. Yeah. But, like, realistically, I'd travel back and I'd be a nobody, right? And I think I would want to travel back um, to a time and place where I could solve a crime or a mystery, but just like keep that because information you know. to myself. What? Why would you do that? Uh, because like, what if it's like the the thing? What if it messes up the rest of history? So you like, what if, you just want to know because you want to know? Yeah, I like just what? Know. Like what big mystery? Um, like, like which aliens built the pyramids? No, not even, like, a big mystery like that. Like... Which aliens built Stonehenge? <laughs> like, the John Bonet case. Or, like, I was oh, just okay. finished watching The People vs. O.J. Simpson, and I just, like, want to know what's go Like, what actually happened that night. <laughs> well, we know he Like, we them. know what happened, but, like... We know what happened. Yeah, but, like, we know what happened. I'd pick one... That's I'd rather the thing. do it's John like, Bonet one than, of those like, things. O.J. Because, like... We kind of know what happened with o- with John Bonet too, though. Right, we kind of know, but we know more about OJ than we know about like than we know That's about Jean Because like, there's so I just kind of want to like things. Yeah. The problem is you can't like time travel and put yourself in someone else's head. <laughs> like you'd That's still true. be observing, and like yeah. you wouldn't. You'd be observing as like. You couldn't be a silent observer. I mean, you know what I mean? You can't be an invisible observer. Because you I think person. there are things where it's like, if just me knowing when it happened, because it happened in the past, I would be able to solve some sort of mystery. Okay. Because other people 
that that time didn't know it was happening at that time. Right. But like I'm going to have to work on what exact yeah, mystery. You'd have to pick a different though. mystery because like I mean, if you put yourself in the middle of the crime happening, you know, I where O.J. Simpson killed his girlfriend. I think I would be able girlfriend. to see what was going on with the John Bonet thing just peeking in the windows. But what if they saw you and you died too? Then I would die knowing. Also, I'm a time traveler. You can't but kill like, me, right? That's how that works. Right, I know, but like <laughs> that would mess with the timeline if they caught you. I just feel That's like, true, yeah, like with that one, maybe you could her. peek in the window. But also that happened mm-hmm. definitely on multiple stories of the house. So you'd also have to levitate. That's true. <laughs> or be I really would just good need at climbing. See, I would just need to see her brother hit her with the flashlight. That's all. Right. Because that's true. definitely what happened. <laughs> we're going to get sued. Don't sue us. Just kidding. We're not getting sued. No one listens to the podcast. Don't sue us, Ramsey Estate or whoever sues people for stuff like that. Um, the Ramsey Estate. We have lawyer. nothing to take. Honestly, uh, I have less than fifty dollars in my checking account. Like, try and get me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just think it would maybe like Jack the Ripper, or like yeah. I just I don't know. I mean, I'm just like telling you that your fantasy is wrong, basically. <laughs> I just feel like. You'd have to consider the logistics of seeing the crime. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And also, I'd want it to be one that's, like, more of a big mystery. Like, not one that we have a pretty good idea of what's going on. See, because those those are the ones that drive me crazy. Where it's like... We you like we know what happened, but we can't prove it? We know. We know what happened, but we can't. You know, but, like... But nobody's... We don't any, actually like, know what happened. You know, like, we can't, we don't definitively know what happened. I don't know. I feel like I know what happened. And so, like, I've decided, you know, like, yeah, that's just it for me. Once I feel like I know what happened. But, like, yeah, I'd want it to be something more of a mystery. Um, like, like aliens. Think, like aliens. I wouldn't go <laughs> back to see any aliens because I'm... Like pretty certain that was that didn't happen, but okay. But I mean, I'm the time traveler. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you can go I see aliens all you want. I'm cool with that. I don't know. Maybe I just just um, <laughs> maybe I just time travel so that I could have more money, <laughs> so that the value of the dollar would go up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe That's I just perfect. time travel back to like. No. I don't know. I was gonna they say like the seventies, but it still wasn't great for women in the seventies. <laughs> um, the I don't thing know. is, though, like at least the seventies, I would have some idea travel, what's going on. Then you only, you only need to stay there for a little while, enough to like reap the benefits, right? Without. True. Any of that. I Maybe just know I that if I time travel, I'd probably fall into the middle of something stupid. You know? <laughs> something stupid that would get yeah. me, like, killed. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was thinking, I like, think you could time travel to a place or time so that you can get into a famous painting. 
Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be real yeah. cool. It's like those, like, have you seen those photographs where you see people in the background? They're, like, doing something that doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Yes. I'll send mm-hmm. you some if you haven't seen them. Like the one with a guy on the cell phone in the background before cell phones are like invented. And then the, there's the one of the guy who's like dressed like a modern. He's like in a crowd and he's like holding a modern camera. You oh know? Oh my gosh. Those are time That's travelers. That's terrifying. Definitely. I'll send you those pictures. I'll put them on the Patreon. Please I say. Do. I never have <laughs> put anything on the Patreon. But also, no one's looking Perfect. at it, so whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to continue. When you start being looking, we'll start putting yeah. stuff there. <laughs> <laughs> when someone starts listening to this, I'll start putting things. I'll follow through. It's going to take me 10 years because I'll have to re listen to every episode. Um, <laughs> um, but, okay. Yeah. Anything else? Any closing thoughts? Oh, wait. We have to give it a, a dragon. A rating? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many dragons I'd did you say... give this? I say four and a third dragons. Rid of four. Solid four. Four four out of five. Plus four to five dragons. Uh, yeah. I'll never give anything of five dragons. Uh, right? I'm so bad at that kind of stuff because I'm like It has to change my life. To impossible. It's impossible. Like, I doubt we're gonna read um like Vagina by Naomi Wolf. That's not a fantasy <laughs> novel. <laughs> or like Slouching Towards Bethlehem, which is also not fantasy or even fiction. Um, so, you know, no five dragons around here. But um, no five dragons. All right. So, uh, like we said at the end of every episode, there is a Twitter and an Instagram at bookworms underscore pod. There's an email at bookwormspod at gmail. There is uh, a, a, our logo was done by Julianne Kemp, and um, right, send us out. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Bye bye now. <laughs>